Hello, this is Matt Hesser with Dimensional Nomad Games, and welcome to Magic Adventures in Friday Night Magic Commander, Episode 4. Today we'll be talking about the games that took place at the Zeus and Apollo's local game store in Pocatello, Idaho, that took place on August 4th, 2017. There were a good number of us this week, not quite as many as last week. Last week we had 20, this week we only had 18. Um, but it was still a lot of fun, still more than our usual um, 12 to 15 players, so it's always nice. Um, what I thought was interesting was that we had three the Scarab God Commanders, so that's always fun uh, to see mirror matches and things like that. So let's go ahead and get into, we'll talk about what commanders were there, you know, what those commanders do. And then we'll go ahead and get into the games. All right, so as I said, we had 18 different players there. Uh, three of them were playing the same commander, which is the Scarab God. We'll get into him in a moment. But I'll just go down my list of the different commanders there and uh, what those cards do. So first commander is Kali of the Vast. She is one a white, black, and red for a 2-2 legendary human cleric with flying, and whenever Kali of the Vast attacks an opponent, you may put an angel, demon, or dragon creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking that opponent. So generally, Kali of the Vast decks are played to... They have big casting cost, demons, angels, dragons, and they throw them out in the field and attack. Um, there's a couple of different strategies out there, so... Uh, usually you do things like Rune Scar Demon because it lets you tutor for another uh, card and then you can get another trigger. And what you'll see is they'll play uh, a lot of two-drop mana rocks like Felwar Stone or Signet so that they can turn three Kalia get her out faster because the entire deck generally is built around Kalia. <clears throat> All right, then we have Prosh, Sky Raider of Kerr. It's three... Black, red, green for a 5-5 legendary dragon with flying. And when you cast Prosh, Sky Raider of Kerr, put X-01 red kobold creature tokens named kobolds of the Kerr Keep onto the battlefield where X is the amount of mana spent to cast Prosh and sacrifice another creature. Prosh gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. Now, the reason it says the amount of mana rather than just uh, a number is that you can... When you cast Prosh with the commander tax, that includes the amount of mana you've done. So the first time you get 6, then 8, then uh, 10, 12, and so on. And so some of the decks are all about recasting the commander and things like that. Um, usually token strategies, things like um, Perforos and things that trigger on tokens entering the battlefield and things like that. Or another one is Prosh is a 5-5 flying, so if you give it plus 1, you know... Uh, a little bit double strike, so you get those six tokens. So you've sacrificed all six, it turns them into an 11 5, and then with double strike, it, it one shots a player. So that's something to keep in mind when playing Prosh. And then we have Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight. It's four red, white, white for a 5 5 legendary angel with flying and first strike. And if a source would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent and opponent controls, that source deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. And if a source would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent half that damage rounded up. Gisela, there's a couple of ways to build Gisela. Um, usually you want to ramp out and get her out as fast as possible. Some people do a punishment type with things like mana bars. Whenever a land is tapped, it deals one damage to its controller. When Gisela's out, because it deal it reduces the damage by half rounded up, if you would take one, you take zero instead. And then your opponents, of course, all take two. 
So that's always uh, an interesting build. Otherwise, um, just making her buffed is also nice because she's already a 5-5. Five five, so by herself, she hits an opponent, she hits for 10. So if you give her double strike and plus one, just like Prosh, uh, she'll one-shot an opponent. All right, so the next commander we have is Thraxamundar. He is four blue, black, red for a 6-6 legendary zombie assassin with haste. And when Thraxamundar attacks, defending player sacrifices a creature. And whenever a player sacrifices a creature, you put a plus one plus one counter on Thraxamundar. So it's nice is that it immediately becomes a 7-7 if they have at least one creature blocking um, on their field. So it's already a three-turn clock immediately. Usually what happens is people build in a lot more sacro mechanics, you know, Butcher of Malachur, Grave Pack, things like that, and they play things um, that their own creatures sacrifice to buff him, causing your opponents to sacrifice creatures, uh, and things like that. And then, of course, there's the Scarab God. Like I said, we had three people playing the Scarab God. It is three and blue-black for a 5-5 legendary god at the beginning of your upkeep. Each opponent loses X life, and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. And then for two blue-black, exile target creature from a graveyard, create a token that's a copy of it, except that it's a 4-4 black zombie. And then when the Scarab God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of uh, the next end step. So it doesn't have indestructible like the previous gods, but it does have a pseudo indestructible in that it returns back to the commander's, uh, to the player's hand. So it's nice that it only costs you five to replay it. Uh, the downside is that you then have to replay it. So, but it's a lot harder to remove because destroy effects just put it back into its owner's hand. There's a couple of different ways to play it. I've seen it played mill. I've seen it played zombie tribal. Um, I've designed my own. I haven't built it yet. I'm still trying to decide if I want to go more mill or zombie tribal. There, there's a couple of different uh, pros and cons for each side. But uh, I believe that all three of them were actually running different builds. So uh, it's nice to see diversity, which is what I love about Commander, even with the same Commander. All right. Then we had Hapatra, Vizier of Poisons. For a black and a green, you get a 2-2 legendary human cleric that says, when Hapatra Vizier of Poison deals combat damage to a player, you may put a Negwin Negwin counter on target creature. And whenever you put a one or more Negwin Negwin counters on a creature, create a 1-1 green snake creature token with death touch. So obviously you're going to see a lot of Negwin Negwin counters, uh, wither, infect, things like that with Hapatra. Alright, then we have Alicia, who smiles to death. For two and a red, you get a 3-2 legendary human warrior with first strike. And whenever Alicia, who smiles to death, attacks, you may pay um, a combination hybrid of white, black, white, black. If you do, return target creature card with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped and attacking. There's a lot of different builds with this one. It's a graveyard manipulation that gives you white, black, and red, so it's a lot of fun cards. Uh, Mentor of the Meek is really strong with this. A lot of other fun builds. <clears throat> Alright, then we have Malimo, Morrow Sorcerer. Four green, green, green for a star, star, legendary elemental with trample. And Malimo, Morrow Sorcerer's power and toughness are equal to the number of cards, uh, sorry, number of lands you control. So by the time you play him, he's for seven, so he should be a seven, seven. Usually it's built like a landfall deck and things like that. 
Uh, I actually not sure. I never got to play this guy, so I wasn't sh quite sure what he built. Um, I think next week I'm gonna talk to everybody and find out what their decks are like, what their themes are like, and so we have a better idea of how everything's built. All right. Then we have Captain Sisse, which was my commander. For two green and white, you get a two-two legendary human soldier with tap. Search your library for a legendary card. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Now with mine, I've done the uh, deck. The Eclectic Decks video, so you can go ahead and check that on the YouTube page. There should also be the um, the audio file, so the podcast version, I think. It was the first Eclectic Decks, so I, I don't know if it actually made it into that. But there should be an iTunes link. If not, uh, I eventually plan to revisit it. I've updated it a lot since the original. But anyway, uh, mine's actually Tribal Legend, rather than... What you see is a lot of mana dorks like, you know, Land of War Elves, other elves and stuff like that, and Intel Drossy and things like that. But mine's actually Tribal Legend. I run a lot of legendary cards in the deck. Um, and of course, I'll have a link in the description. And you can go onto tappedout.net, look up Shattered Empires, which is the name that I used on tappedout.net, and look for my Captain Sisei deck there. All right. Then we have Erebos, God of the Dead. For three and a black, you get a 5-7 legendary enchantment god with indestructible. As long as your devotion to black is less than five, Erebos isn't a creature. And your opponents can't gain life and pay one and a black and two life to draw a card. Erebos is pretty much a good things black deck. Mono black is pretty straightforward. Um, then we have Xur the Enchanter. One White, blue, black for a 1-4 legendary human wizard with flying. And when Xur the Enchanter attacks, you may search your library for an enchantment card with converted mana cost 3 or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you do, shuffle your library. Now what's nice is it's put it onto the battlefield so it doesn't target, so it gets around things like Shroud and Hexproof. Um, so usually there's, there's two different ways you build it. Uh, well, technically three because you could do a hybrid of the two. Either you go... Uh, Voltron and lots of enchantments that just buff Xur, and you try to um, just commander damage people to death, or you go uh, Pillow Fort style with things like Propaganda, um, Ghostly Prison, things to make it harder to attack you. And then, of course, you can go some kind of hybrid between the two, but those are usual styles that you're going to see. Alright, and then we had Sachi, Daughter of Seshiro for two green-green. Uh, you get a 1-3 Legendary Snake Shaman. Other snakes you control are plus one or plus zero plus one, and then the shamans you control have tap add two green to your mana pool. So it's really nice. It's just a standard green. Usually it's snake tribal. Um, there's a couple other legendary green snakes that you could use as your commander, but I think this one's nice because it has a built-in ramp effect. And so it's got a lot of, you know, snakes and other shamans, because all those shamans also tap for green, green. All right, then we had Machaeus the Unhallowed. Three black, black, black for a 5-5 five, five legendary zombie cleric with Intimidate. And when a human deals damage to you, destroy it. Other non-human creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have Undying. So it's generally one of the better black reanimation commanders. Um... You're going to be sacking your own things to it, reanimating them, sticking things in your graveyard to bring them back. And basically, black reanimator. All right, then we had Yidris, Maelstrom Wielder. Blue, black, red, green for a 5-4 legendary ogre wizard with trample. And when Yidris deals combat damage to a player, uh, as you cast spells... Uh, whenever Yidris deals combat damage to a player... 
as you cast spells from your hand this turn, they gain Cascade. And Cascade says, when you cast this spell, uh, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a spell with uh, one less converted mana cost, and you may cast it for free. Put the revealed cards uh, on the bottom of your library. What's fun is the Cascade stack. So if you can do multiple combat steps or double strike, then you can give it multiple copies of Cascade. So generally what you'll see is a lot of ramp and big cost and cast spells out of the deck. A lot of draw, uh, things like that. I've seen it done Infect, which I don't recommend because I hate Infect, but that's a personal preference. <clears throat> All right, then we had Kemba Ka Regent, which is one white-white for a 2-4 legendary cat cleric. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a 2-2 white cat creature token onto the battlefield for each equipment attached to Kemba Ka Regent. Pretty straightforward, cat tribal, lots of equipment, throw them on Kemba, get out lots of tokens, try and swarm people down. All right, then we have Gerard Capation, 3 white-white for a 3-4 legendary human soldier. At the beginning of your upkeep, you gain one life for each card in target opponent's hand. Three and a white tap target creature. Activate this ability only if Gerard Capation is attacking. I'm actually not sure what you would build with this other than, you know, a little bit of group hug with things like Hounding Mind, Font of Mythos, having everybody draw extra cards, uh, Temple Bell, and then a life gain deck, maybe? I wasn't sure what this player was building, but, you no, know, again, next week I'm going to ask everybody what their decks are like, just to get a kind of an idea um, for these so that you all listening and watching can figure out what they're doing. All right, so let's go ahead and go on to game number one. These are the pairings. Let me know what you think was the, should have won or could have won each of these pairings in the comments. Um, <clears throat> and then after each game, I'll tell you who won each of the pods. All right, so pod number one was Kali of the Vast, Prosh, Skyrate of Kerr, Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight. Then pod number two was Thraxamundar, the Scarab God, and Hapatra. Pod three was my pod with Captain Sisse, Erebos, and Xur the Enchanter. Pod four was Sachi, Micaeus, and the Scarab God. Pod five was Yidris, Alicia, and the Scarab God. And pod six was Malimo, Kemba, and Gerard Capation. So like I said, go ahead and guess who you think won each pod, and then at the end, you'll find out if you were right or not. All right, so let's go ahead and get into game number one. So, as I said, it was Captain Siste, Erebos, Xur the Enchanter. The turn order entered up with Erebos going first, then Captain Siste, and then Xur the Enchanter. So, turn one was pretty boring for the most part. Uh, the Erebos player played Swamp, got a Soul Ring. I played a Forest. Xur played a Demur Guildgate. Not much else happened. Turn two, our uh, lovely Erebos player went ahead and used his... Soul Ring in a Swamp to Demonic Tutor. Demonic Tutor is one and a black for a sorcery that says, Search your library for any card, put it in your hand, and then shuffle your library. He went ahead and grabbed Urborg, Tomb of the Yogmoth, which is a legendary land that says, Each land is a swamp in addition to its other types. This is really good for black decks, as because uh, things like Cabal Coffers is pay two tap, add one black mana for each swamp you control. So this turns all your lands, including the Cabal Coffers, into uh, swamp. So you get a lot more value out of it. Then um, I played a plane, so still nothing much for me. Then the Xur player, of course, got a soul ring, played another tap land, played a pearl medallion. So pearl medallion says is an artifact for two. It says white spells you cast cost one last to cast. So everybody's ramping except for me. Fun times. All right. Then our 
Uh, our Erebos player on turn three played Dark Depths. Dark Depths is a legendary snowland that enters the battlefield with ten ice counters on it, and then for three mana you can remove an ice counter from it, and then if there are no ice counters on it, you sacrifice it and get a token copy of a 2020 black avatar creature token with flying and indestructible named Merit Lage. Thing is ridiculous. Alright, so then he plays Liliana Vest, which is a planeswalker for three black black it's five loyalty. Uh, the plus one ability is target player discards a card. Minus two is search your library for a card, shuffle your library, then put that card on top. And then minus eight is reanimate all creatures from all graveyards. Uh, I hardly ever see the minus eight, but the minus two, the vampiric tutor, happens all the time. It's generally what people use it for, unless they have a discard build. But generally, it's just used to ramp or tutor twice. I finally got to my third land. Well, it's turn three, so I got my. Salvala Explorer Returned. It is one green-white for a 2-4 legendary elf scout that has parlay. So you tap it. Each player reveals the top card of his or her library. Then for each non-land card revealed this way, add green to your mana pool and you gain one life. Then each player draws a card. So it's usually it's a ramp spell because it gives you a little bit of green mana, hopefully. And everybody draws a card. So it gets you in a little bit better position. And then the Xur player played Xur. So Xur the Enchanter, you already heard. Alright, so now we start doing things. We are now moving on to turn four, where the Erebos player plays Mirage Mirror. This is new from the Hour of Devastation set that came out last month, and it costs three for an artifact that says pay two. Mirage Mirror becomes a, tar a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn. Now, what's nice is that you can use it to copy Dark Depths. That then makes it a Dark Depths with zero counters on it. Now, they're legendary, so you needed to pick one to sacrifice, so usually you sacrifice the original because Mirage Mirror then has zero counters on it and immediately becomes the Merilege. So you get that 2020 Flying Indestructible token. Um, so I'm, of course, panicking on that. I tap the Savala. Uh, everyone reveals the cards. I get two extra green mana. I'm able to play Thran Dynamo. Thran Dynamo is an artifact for four mana that taps for three mana. And then I was able to play my commander, Captain Sisse. Then we moved on to the Zerg player who played Grim Guardian, which is two and a black for a 1-4 uh, enchantment creature zombie, which says whenever it or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses a life. He then played Imprisoned in the Moon, um, which is two and a blue for an enchantment aura. Enchanted creature land, uh, it can enchant a creature land or planeswalker. And the enchanted permanent is a colorless land with tap, add wastes to your mana pool and loses all other card types and abilities. So he stopped the Merit Lays, thankfully, and turned it into, whoops, turned it into a token. Oh, we went too far. Okay. <clears throat> for those watching or listening, I accidentally skipped pages on my video. All right, so... Uh, stop the Merit Lage token, awesome, and then he attacked with Xur and got Diplomatic Immunity, which is what I always recommend uh, as the first card for Xur. So Diplomatic Diplomatic Immunity is one in a blue for an enchant cre creature aura that says enchanted creature can't be the target of spells or abilities, and Diploma Diplomatic Immunity can't be the target of spells or abilities. So it has Shroud and the creature has Shroud. That's really nice for Xur, because as I said, his ability doesn't target, it puts him into play. So he can still enchant himself and gets around this, but it gives him nice survivability against targeted removal. Doesn't stop global removal, but it definitely stops targeted removal. Alright, so we moved on to turn 5. 
And, of course, the Erebos player just completely wrecks me with Barter and Blood, which is two black black for a sorcery that says each player sacrifices two creatures. Guess how many I had? Two. So I lost that. Zer was gone. Uh, Erebos wasn't even in play. The token was already turned into um, a land, so it didn't die. So it was pretty one-sided for the Erebos player. He's doing really good this game. All right, so I play the other Salvala, Heart of the Wilds, which is one green-green for a 2-3 legendary elf scout, of course. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, this controller may draw a card if its power is greater than each other creature's power. I hardly ever pay attention to that ability. It's more the second ability, which is pay one green, tap, add X mana to your, uh, in any combination of colors to your mana pool, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Now, right now, it's the only creature I control, so it's pay one green to get two mana, which is not bad. It's still a ramp. And then I played Gift of Immortality, which is two and a white for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. When enchanted creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Then return Gift of Immortality to the battlefield attached to that creature at the beginning of the next end step. Basically, it forces someone to kill things twice in order to keep it off the field. <coughs> right, Zer player replayed Zer, and that finished to turn five. All right, so we moved on to turn six. The uh, Erebos player actually used the plus one ability on Liliana, forced me to discard. So I went ahead and discarded Palacronus, World Eater, which is two and two green for a 5-5 legendary Hydra uh, with monstrosity double X and and a green. And then when, when Palacronus becomes monstrous, it deals X damage, divided as you choose among any number of target creatures your opponents control. And then each of those creatures deals damage equal to their power to Palacronus. Usually I use it as targeted removal to get rid of some burst things, or I give it Death Touch and swing with it and then kill everything. Uh, but in this case, it was just pitched to Liliana. And then he used Knight's, Knight's Whisper, which is one in a black for a sorcery that says you draw two cards and lose two life. He then played Frexian Arena. For one and two black, which is enchantment that says the beginning of your upkeep, you draw a card and lose life. He then casts his commander, Erebos. Alright, then it finally gets to my turn. I had enough mana with the um, Salvala that I was able to cast Avacyn, Angel of Hope, which is five, white, 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 for an 8-8 eight, eight legendary angel with flying, vigilance, indestructible, and your other permanents you control have indestructible. It's really nice for boards. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to keep it long because the Zerg player then played uh, Darksteel Mutation onto my poor Avacyn, which is one of white for an enchantment or enchant creature that says enchanted creature is an insect artifact creature with base power and toughness 0-1 and has indestructible and loses all other abilities. So it's still indestructible, but none of my other stuff is indestructible, and it's a 0-1 that does nothing. <laughs> A pretty good response. So he's been doing a lot of control. He stopped the Merit Lage, 2020 Indestructible, stopped my 88 Indestructible. A lot of control in that guy's player. And then he, he played Ephara's Enlightenment with Zer's ability for one, a white and a blue. So it's an enchantment aura, enchant creature. When Ephara's Enlightenment enters the battlefield, put a plus plus counter on enchanted creature. An enchanted creature has flying, and whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may return Ephara's Enlightenment to its owner's hand. Uh... Yeah, that generally never happens. It was mostly for the flying and the plus one, plus one. Alright, so we finished that turn. That was turn six. Move on to turn seven. Black player gets to play Solemn Simulacrum, which is a four-costing uh, artifact creature golem, 2-2, two, two, 
that when it enters the battlefield, you search your library for a basic land, put it on the battlefield, tap the shelf of your library, and then when it dies, you draw a card. You then cast Ruined Scar, Rune Scar Demon for five and black black for a 6-6 six, six demon with flying, and when it enters the battlefield, search your library for a card, put it in your hand, and then shelf your library. Cut to my turn. I played Dragon Lord Dromaka for four. A green and a white for a 5-7 legendary Elder Dragon that says it can't be countered. It is flying lifelink, and opponents can't cast spells during my turn. I then dropped a Vidalcan Orrery, which is a four-casting cost artifact that says you may cast non-land cards, though they have flash. So it gives my all of my cards flash, which is nice. Then our Zero player played Agent of Erebos, three and a black for a 2-2 enchantment creature zombie. That when it or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, exile all cards from target player's graveyard. So he hit the uh, Erebos player the first time. Then he played Ethereal Armor, which is one white for an enchantment or enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one for each enchantment you control and has first strike. Really powerful in something like Xur because it, you play a ton of enchantments. So it just busts, 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 busts. And then, of course, he took the opportunity to exile my graveyard. And that was turn... He also played Coco Show at some point I, at that turn. I'm not exactly sure if it was that turn or this turn, which is turn 8. He played a ton of stuff on turn 8. Oh, no, it was definitely turn 8 because he damnations. Okay, so he plays Gauntlet of Power, which is 5 mana for an artifact that says, when it comes into play, choose a color. Creatures of the chosen color get plus 1, plus 1, and never a basic land is tapped for mana of the chosen color, its controller adds one mana of that color to his or her pool. So all of his swamps tap for an additional black. Then he played Cage Sun, which is a six mana cost version of the same thing, but it's look it's uh, limited to your stuff. So now all of his swamps tap for three. It also isn't limited to basic lands. Any of your lands that tap for black would get an additional black. It then plays Damnation for two black black sorcery. Destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. Um... So it kills my poor, poor Salvala. Now, Salvala immediately came back because of the Gift of Immortality, but then he does Hero's Downfall, which is one black-black for an instant, destroy target creature or planeswalker. So now Salvala is completely gone. He then responds with Kokosho, the Evening Star, four black-black for a 5-5 legendary dragon spirit with flying, and when Kokosho dies, each opponent loses five life, and you gain life equal to life lost this way. He also still has Erebos in play because uh, it's indestructible. Uh, I didn't get to do anything. I drew and held on to cards. And then our Zerg player played Collective Restraint, which is three and a blue for an enchantment that says creatures can't attack you unless their controller plays X for each creature attacking you, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. You had three lands that, uh, land types, the blue... So, island, plains, and swamp at this point. So, it was an additional three to attack Zer. Not that I was doing anything. I had no creatures left. Look, correction. I still had a 0-1 indestructible insect. <laughs> it was just sitting there. Alright, so... Uh, I still have my Vidalcan Orrery. So, I, all my spells still have flash. So, uh, we move on to turn nine. Where the Erebos player cast Animate Dead, targeting the Runescar Demon. Animate Dead is one in a black for an enchantment or that enchants a creature in a graveyard. When Animate Dead enters the battlefield, if it's on the battlefield, it loses enchant creature card in a graveyard and gains enchant creature on the battlefield um, with Animate Dead. 
Return the enchanted creature to the battlefield under your control and attach animate dead to it. When animate dead leaves the battlefield, that controller that creature's controller sacrifices and the enchanted creature is minus one, minus zero. So basically you pick a creature in a graveyard, you reanimate it and get it. So Runescar Demon, let him go ahead and get a card. He then played his own Vidalcan Orrery. Uh, and then, so what I did was at the end of his turn, I flashed in Elvish Piper and Cigar to Heron of Hosts. Now, Cigar to Heron of Hosts is two green, white, white for a 5-5 Legendary Angel with flying and hexproof, and spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause you to sacrifice permanence. And Elvish Piper is really fun, newer addition to the deck. It's three and a green for a creature, a 1-1 creature elf shaman that you can pay one green and tap to put a creature card from your hand on the battlefield. Uh, the Elvish Piper was immediately then slaughtered by the Erebos player. Slaughter is two black-black for an instant with buyback pay for life that destroy target non-black creature. That creature cannot be regenerated this turn. Uh, pretty brutal. And then I used... <sighs> Excuse me. Woo! I used the last of my mana to play Void Winner. Void Winner costs 9 for a creature Eldrazi that says your opponents can cast spells with even converted mana costs. And your opponents can't block with creatures with even converted mana costs. What's nice is 0 is even. So tokens have 0 and they can't uh, block with tokens either. Zer then played Thassa, God of the Sea. For 2 and a blue, you get a 5-5 five, five legendary, uh, legendary enchantment creature god with indestructible. Uh, it's not a creature if your devotion is less than five in blue, and the beginning of your upkeep, scry one, and then pay one to blue, target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. Lots of power there. <clears throat> Lots of stuff happened. Unfortunately, oh, I forgot to make a picture of this. So, at the end of the turn, Erebos played Ingaruk's Wake. Ingaruk's Wake is seven and two black for a sorcery that says destroy all creatures you don't control. I somehow forgot to put it on my pictures. I'm sorry about that for those watching. Um, but yeah, that completely clears the board, except for Thassa. But Thassa's not a god, so it can't block. So he then is, swings for lethal at me the next turn. And then he casts Torment of Hailfire, which is X black black. Uh, sorcery, repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices an online permanent and discards a camp. Uh, card. He just put a ton of mana into it. He counted the amount of permanent Zer has. Said, alright, even if you sack everything and discard every card in your hand, you're still going to lose enough life for lethal. Uh, and so Erebos won that match. Which was sad for me. I dislike losing. But, as I keep telling people with my Sissé deck, as good as it is, if you keep Sissé off the board, it's not going to do a whole lot. Uh, which is pretty much true of a lot of my decks. A lot of my decks are built around the commander. Alright, so do you remember the pairings earlier? Do you remember who you voted for? Alright, so for each pod, the winners are pod one, Micaeus. No, I have these pods in a different order, do I? Don't I? No, yeah. So pod one, Micaeus one, then. Oh no, I'm looking at the wrong game board. Oh, I apologize. Alright, so. Yeah, okay. Pod 1, uh, Gisela. Pod 2, the Scarab God. Pod 3, Erebos. Pod 4, Micaeus. Pod 5, the Scarab God. And Pod 6, Malimo. So, hope you guys got those right. Let's go ahead and move on to Game 2. We have our new pairings up. 
We had Malimo versus the Scarab God versus Macaz. In pod two was Erebos, Hapatra, and Gisela. Pod three was Prosh, Gerard, and the Scarab God. Pod four was Yidris, Sisse, and the Scarab God. Pod five is Thrax, Mondar, Alicia, and Kemba. And pod six was Kalia, Zer, and Sachi. So go ahead and think about who you think would win each of those pairings and keep it in mind for at the end of the game. All right, so let's go ahead and move into one. This was one of the ones uh, that started off really well for me. I played a Savannah. I got to ahead and go first uh, for Captain Sisse, then the Scarab God, and then Yidris. So turn one, I played Savannah, which is one of the original dual lands that it counts as both the planes on the forest, so it can tap for either white or green. I then use it to play Sol Ring. Uh, the black, the Scarab God player then carried Crypt Breaker, which is one black for a 1 1 zombie that says. Pay one, a black, and discard a card and tap to put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. Then you can tap three untapped zombies you control to draw a card and lose a life. It's pretty nifty. Uh, and then Yidris played a Birds of Paradise, which is one green for a 0-1 creature bird with flying and tap to add one mana of any color. So it's mostly uses a mana ramp, mana fix, things like that. All right, so turn two, played another land, played Captain Sisse. Uh, our uh, lovely Scarab God did not get to play anything, and then Yidris played a Sword of Feast and Famine, which is three for an artifact equipment that gives the equipped creature plus two, plus two, and protection from black and green, and whenever that creature deals combat damage to a player, you that player discards a card, and you untap all your lands. Really good, but it's sitting on a bird, so he really just wanted to keep it there as a blocker. Alright, so then we move on to turn three. I drop an Elvish Piper for um, our Scarab God player dropped a Cemetery Reaper, which is one black black for a 2-2 two -two zombie that says other zombies you control are plus one plus one. And pay three a black and tap exile target creature from a graveyard, put a 2-2 two -two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. Now, with the Scarab God only costing one more than that to get a 4-4 version you probably won't use that secondary ability unless you're really hurting or can't get your god into play but mostly it's the secondary buff plus it counts as a zombie so really good card uh, if you're building the scarab god then you just played rashmi eternity's crafter for two a green and a blue you get a two three legendary elf druid which says whenever you cast your first spell each turn Reveal the top card of your library. If it is a non-land card with converted mana cost less than that spells, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Then if you don't cast the revealed card, put it in your hand. So if it's a land, it just goes in your hand. If you choose not to cast it, it goes in your hand. Um, so really nice for ramping and things like that, getting more cards in hand or, or anything else. All right, so at the end of the turn, I used Captain Sisse to search for... Elish Norn Grand Cenobite, which is five white white for a four seven legendary Praetor with vigilance. Other creatures you control get plus two plus two, and creatures your opponents control get minus two minus two. So, on my turn, this is now turn four. I go ahead and use the Elvish Piper to drop in the Elish Norn, kills all the zombies, drops the bird to a zero one. It's still pro black and green, so it's still viable. Um, then played Solemn Simulacrum to go get another land. I then used Captain Sisse to get Guy's Cradle. Uh, Guy's Cradle is a legendary land that taps for a green for each creature you control. 
And then that gave me lots of mana. And then I was really amused by this next part because, you know, as I keep saying, eliminate Captain Sisse, it makes the game a lot harder for me. However, the only removal that the Scarab God had was Fatal Push. Fatal Push is one black for an instant that destroys target creature if it has converted mana cost two or less. Sisse has four. However, Fatal Push has Revolt, which says destroy that creature if its converted mana cost is four or less if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn. So what he did was he cast Severed Legion, which is one black black for a 2-2 creature zombie with fear. Because it's a 2-2, Elish Norn kills it. So it comes into play and dies, therefore leaving play, triggering the revolt for Fatal Push, then he could use the Fatal Push to destroy Captain Sisse. So really nice. Um, uh by play there, although there's better plays. It was just cool to see people use the stuff that's already on the table. Uh, and then, of course, in response, I flashed in Yeva Nature's Herald, which is two green-green for a 4-4 Legendary Elf Shaman with Flash, and you may cast green creatures as though they had Flash. Alright, and... So, oh! Rashmi! Rashmi's still alive. Because she was a 2-3. Alright, so we moved on to turn 4... Turn 5, sorry. I played Birds of Paradise. I then played Swiftfoot Boots. Swiftfoot Boots is 2 for a artifact equipment that says equipped creature has Hexproof and Haste. And then it equips for 1. I then recast Captain Sisse. Equipped the Boots. Searched my deck for Avacyn. And then dropped Avacyn in with my Elvish Piper. And then our Scarab God then played Liliana's Mastery, which is 3 black black for an enchantment that says your zombies... All right, plus one, plus one, and when it enters the battlefield, you get two, two, two black zombies. Now, because he had them plus one, plus one, those zombies survived, so he had two one-one zombies at this point. Uh, unfortunately, I had a whole lot more stuff. So, when we moved to the next turn, I then played Paradox, and I went and searched for Paradox Engine. Now, Paradox Engine is five mana for a legendary artifact, so it's searchable by Sissé, and whenever you cast a spell, untap all non-land permanence you control so every time i cast a spell with Ca i can untap captain sisse go get another legendary card cast that untap captain sisse and repeat as necessary until i had whatever i needed i used i had a spell in hand i don't remember what it was i played it untapped captain sisse when searched for savala heart of the wilds uh, as you remember, it's one and it's one green and tap to get X mana in any combination of colors to your mana pool, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. And at this point, between Elish Norn and Avacyn, I have a 10 creature, so I can pay one green to get 10 mana. So as long as I'm casting something that costs less than 9, I net a mana every time, so then I can cast those more expensive ones later on, like uh, the Ulamog or the other Ulamog in my deck. So basically, I just went and got every legendary... Uh, non-land permanent in my deck, which includes Acromus Mora, which gives them all haste, uh, cast them, my board's huge, I have a bazillion mana, I can then overrun, give them all plus three, plus three, multiple times, and kill the entire board. So that was game number two. Alright, do you remember the pairings? Do you remember who you think won? Alright. So, pod one, Micaeus ones, pod two, Erebos one, pod three, Prosh won. Pod 4 was my pod, and I won that with Captain Sisse. Pod 5 was Alicia. And Pod 6 was Zer the Enchanter. Alright, let's go ahead and move on to our last game and get those uh, pairings. 
Pairings were Captain Sisse, Prosh, and Zer. Pod 2 is Scarab God and Scarab God, and Kemba almost had all three Scarab Gods. I was really hoping for a full Scarab God pod, but unfortunately it never happened. I think they should just do that at the beginning, because that would just be funny. Uh, pod 3 was Gerard, Hapatra, and Sachi. Pod 4 is the Scarab God, Yidris, and Kalia. Pod 5 is Erebos, Micaeus, and Alicia. And Pod 6 is Thraxamundar, Malimo, and Gisela. Alright, so let's move on. So, <clears throat> turn 1 was fairly boring for most of us. It was land, land, and then the Zer player dropped a Chrome Mox. Now, Chrome Mox is a zero casting cost artifact with imprint. When Chrome Mox enters the battlefield, you, reveal, uh, you remove a non-artifact, non-land card for, in your hand from the game. Uh, imprinted underneath... Usually people put it underneath the Chrome Mox to let them know what it is. And then uh, it taps for a mana of any color of the imprinted card to your mana pool. So in this case, he did Underworld Coinsmith, which is both black and white for a 2-2 enchantment creature, Human Cleric. Uh, whenever it or another enchantment is the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. And then you can pay a black and a white to and a life to have each opponent lose a life. So in this case, uh, Chrome Mox would tap for white or black. Um... Turn two was pretty boring. We we all played lands. Not much else happened. Turn three, I got to my third land, so I was able to play Runetail Kitsune Ascendant, which is two and a white for a legendary creature, Fox Monk. Whenever you have 30 or more life, flip Runetail Kitsune Ascendant. And then it turns into a Runetail's Essence, which is a legendary enchantment that says, prevent all damage that would be dealt to creatures you control. So... This is Commander. You start at 40 life. So the turn I played, I was still at 40 life. So I was able to immediately flip it. And now my creatures no longer lose, uh, take damage. And then our... Um, Prosh player played Gifted Aetherborn, which is black black for a 2-3 creature Aetherborn vampire with death touch and lifelink. And then Zer played an Orzhov Signet, which is two mana for an artifact that is pay one, tap, add white, black to your mana pool. Alright, turn four, I drop out Captain Sisse. The Prosh played Thunderblake Re Thunderbreak Regent, which is two red red for a 4-4 four, four creature dragon with flying. And whenever a dragon you control becomes a target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, Thunderblake Thunder Break Regent deals three damage to that player. Then, of course, Zer played Zer. Alright, so moving on to turn five, I used Captain Sisse to go get my guy's cradle again. And then I already had Sigarda Heron's Grace in hand, so I went ahead and cast Sigarda's Heron's Grace, which is three green white for a four five legendary angel with flying, and you and humans you control have hexproof. Uh, and then it's an ability that I never use, which is pay two, exile a card from your graveyard, put a 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature token onto the battlefield. It's mostly, in my opinion, it might as well be flavor text, because I never use that ability. Uh, Prosh then used Prey Upon, which is one green for a sorcery that says target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. There'd be no point in using him on mine, because mine are all uh, have z take zero damage. But it's fun because his gifted Aetherborn has death touch and life sync, so he used it to kill Zer before Zer can get the diplomatic immunity on it. He gained his two life. 
Zerg's response was to play Necropotence, which is black, black, black for an enchantment that says, skip your draw step. Whenever you discard a card, exile that card from, the gra from your graveyard, and you can pay one life to exile the top card of your library face down. Put that card into your hand at the beginning of your next end step. Basically, a lot of people, it's because you have so much life in Commander, it's really easy to use because you can just pay one life and draw a ton of cards. Now, you're drawing them at the end of your turn, so you can't really use them on your turn, and so you need to make sure that you're not drawing too many and discarding and things like that, but it's got a lot of potential strength in Commander. Alright, so then we move on to... Did I miss something? Oh, um, he also played Feral Animus, which I forgot to put on here, which is a uh, 1, a red and a green for a 2-1... Uh, creature that says pay one red and a green to double the power of the feral animist. I don't know why I didn't put the picture on there. Sorry for those watching. Alright, so let's go ahead and move to turn six. I went ahead and used Sisse to go get Karametra, God of the Harvest, which is three, a green and a white for a six, seven legendary enchantment creature god with indestructible. Um, you need devotion seven between white and green to turn it into a creature. Um, but what's cool is whenever you cast a creature spell, you may search your library for a forest or plains. Uh, Put it on the battlefield tab and shelf your library. I then played the Salvala Heart of the Wilds. That's the green one that taps for mana, depending on the creatures I control. Our uh, lovely Prosh player played Sire of Insanity, which is four black and a red for a 6-4 creature demon. At the beginning of each end step, each player discards his or her hand. It's brutal. <clears throat> Uh, I'm not sure what he was comboing it with. Normally, you combo it with things that require you to have no hand size, which I am completely spacing on what the ability is called. Um, but I know that there's some creatures that rely on you not having hand size. It's really annoying to other people, though. Um, Zer then played Solemnity, which is new out of Hour of Devastation. For a two and a white, you get an enchantment that says players can't get counters, and counters can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. Uh, this is actually one of the few decks I use that don't put counters on anything. So it didn't affect me at all. Um, I have no idea how it would affect a Prosh player. It's really good against things like Marin um, and any of the other experienced gods and uh, Atraxas, Super Friends, things like that. And then he played Umbra Mystic, which is two and a white for a 2-2 creature human wizard that says ores attached to permanents you control have totem armor. Totem armor says if the enchanted permanent would die, you can sacrifice the totem armor instead to keep the thing alive. Um, unfortunately, that then led to turn seven where I was able to do my Paradox Engine again. Only this time I decided that instead of just getting the damage out and killing everyone, I was going to go ahead and deck everybody. Because everybody had already drawn more cards than me, um, so of all the Explorer Return, the one that said tap each player reveals a card and then they draw a card, uh, actually meant that everybody drew out before me. Plus, I was able to get Bow of Nylea, which one of the abilities is uh, take cards from my graveyard and put them back in my library. So, um, I was able to actually deck out and mill everybody in my green-white uh, legend deck. So that ended me with 2-1. I took fourth place, which is unfortunate. I would have liked to have a better position, but it was still a lot of fun. All right, so for those who remembered the pods, pod one, that was my pod, Captain Sisse one. Pod two was one of the Scarab Gods. Pod three was Hapatra. Pod four was Yidris. Pod five was Erebos. And pod six was Gisela. 
Let me know how you guys did guessing, if you were able to guess any of the pod winners. I uh, hope you enjoyed my video. If you enjoy it, please leave a comment, subscribe, give the video a like. For those listening on iTunes or to the podcast, thank you for listening. hope you enjoyed it, and I will talk to you all next time.